Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to the Poker Face Recap Podcast, where every week I dive into the world of the hit Peacock series, Poker Face. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and I'm excited to break down each episode in this character-driven murder mystery series. No bullshit. So sit back, relax, and crack open a tall can of beer, and let's get started on this wild ride with Charlie Kale as she solves murders across the United States. This episode is Season 1, Episode 1, Dead Man's Hand. This episode aired January 26th of this year, 2023. This is episode is written and directed by the one and only Ryan Johnson, the creator of the show. Uh, it is co-written, or the story editor is Wyatt Kane, and the another story editor is Charlie Pepper. Uh, the guest stars, as many of these episodes have, if not all, are Adrian Brody, uh, Dasha... Polanco and Benjamin Bratt. Uh, this episode, we are introduced to our unlikely detective, Charlie Kale, played by the glorious Natasha Leone, uh, working as a waitress at a casino in Las Vegas off the strip. Uh, we learn about her ability to call bullshit. Uh, we see why she's on the run. As she solves murders uh, of her, as she solves the murders of her friend uh, in this episode, uh, this is a well-written and directed episode by Ryan Johnson, as all of his films are, in my opinion, uh, and uh, a great uh, mystery whodunit writer in general with the Knives Out, the Benoit Blanc movies, Knives Out and Glass Onion. Uh, this movie has a great, fun cast uh, with a lot of great guest stars, as I mentioned. Uh, at first, it seemed this show was going to be a mystery that we were going to spend the entire season uncovering the mystery in this first episode. But thankfully, refreshingly, it is, as all of these episodes are, a self-contained mystery. This each episode, Charlie Kale is solving a new mystery, uncovering a new murder, and on the run to a new place. Uh, so I enjoyed that as well, and uh, the self-contained nature of it, uh, because you don't see that much anymore. Definitely something that would have been in like a murder she wrote type of a, a show, or a, you know any of those mystery shows of the 80s and 90s i guess uh, but definitely we're in a time in sh tv shows where a lot of the things uh, it, it, the whole season is told in more of a self-contained narrative uh, instead of episodic where you're getting like the monster of the episode or the mystery of the episode so i find that to be refreshing it makes the show each episode so new and so different and allows for each episode to have some really fun guest stars as they do. Uh, but let's get into this episode, shall we? Episode one, The Devil's Hand. Uh, 
there's a maid cleaning Natalie. The character's name is Natalie. Cleaning rooms in a hotel casino. Uh, while cleaning one of the rooms, she sees something on an open laptop. Freaks her out. Right? She decides to take a picture. Uh, tries to call somebody, but nobody answers. So she pauses and decides to run downstairs. She goes to the head of security, who is the one and only Benjamin Bratt, who is uh, Legrand. Cliff Legrand, I believe, is his name. Uh, Benjamin Bratt. So she goes to him, head of security, and she tells him what she saw in the high rollers room, uh, which is the room she was cleaning. And she shows him a picture that she took. We don't see the picture. We never see the picture, but we get a good idea of what the picture is of. Uh, then, uh, so then Legrand takes her uh, to the manager of the casino, right? And in the secretary's room, says he's busy gets on the phone says it's a code red and uh sterling foster jr the manager of this hotel and casino played by adrian brody uh brings them into his office right he is the son of the owner of the casino so he is junior he is uh sterling foster jr uh and while looking at the pick he says i don't believe it uh kane the high roller, he means a lot to this casino, uh, but he tells her he's going to take care of it, right? Not to tells her, don't worry about your cart that's still up there, because uh, she just rushed away from cleaning, uh, and don't worry about clocking out. Just go home. We'll take care of it, right? They'll contact the FBI. They may need to get your statement or whatever. He's not really sure how this stuff works, uh, but you see him quickly delete the photo off of her phone. And he tells her before she leaves to not talk to anybody. Don't tell anybody about this, right? So clearly, he's making a situation where he's going to be able to cover it up, right? And Legrand, Cliff, asks if, he sh if they should call his father, right? And of course, Junior is like, no, no, I got to take this, right? Clearly, one of those kind of kids didn't make any money right all of his wealth came from his father's success he is the fuck up of the family and he doesn't want daddy's help he wants to fix this situation on his own he wants to he's constantly in need of his father's validation constantly striving to prove to daddy that he can handle it and legrand's like okay tell me what to do right uh we're seeing in this movie as to be expected some great camera work very simple camera work from ryan johnson some pans some tilts some zooms that add a little bit more to this than you would see in a normal tv episode and something that in future episodes that are not directed by ryan johnson are clearly lacking but this being the pilot episode i would imagine they went the extra mile um, and Ryan Johnson is one to go the extra mile to make sure that his work stands out. Uh, but we have uh, Legrand ends up going to get a gun out of a safe, uh, and she goes home. Natalie goes home. And then uh, Legrand shows up to her house before she gets there. He bangs on the door. Her husband, who's drinking on the couch watching monster trucks, 
uh, thinks it's somebody canvassing for a an election or whatever, saying, we don't vote, we don't vote, but he opens the door, and right away, Cliff goes in, shoots Larry, I think his name is Larry in the head, I should probably pull up their names so I don't miss any of those, but shoots Natalie's husband in the head immediately as he walks through the door. And then waits for Natalie to come home. And as soon as she walks through the door, shoots her as well. He puts the gun in Larry's hand. Her husband, Jerry, sorry, not Larry, uh, puts the gun in Jerry's hand and leaves. So clearly setting up a murder-suicide to make it look that way anyway. And then he calls Junior to tell him that it's done. Let me get this good here. Uh, calls Junior to tell him that it's done. Cut to our star, uh, Natasha Leone, a.k.a. Charlie Kale, in her trailer outside of town. Uh, she goes outside. She sees her neighbor is kind of taking a crate of stuff. He's somebody that sells things on eBay, somebody that may acquire these things through illegal means maybe she warns him she doesn't want to have to bail him out again so make sure you're getting these things legit but uh you know clearly somebody that doesn't necessarily abide by the rules uh it is morning time before she goes to work but she goes out to her lawn chair at the front of her of her trailer cracks open one of many tall cans of beer that she drinks this one happens to be a Coors Light uh, and just kind of, uh, that's her wake up ritual as it were very interesting lifestyle. Uh, not only for just Charlie Kale, but definitely I'm sure a similar lifestyle or true to life lifestyle that a lot of people who work in Vegas, because Vegas is definitely a place where, as we see, even when she's at work, uh, not only having fun doing her job, but smoking cigarettes while she's working drinking alcohol while she's working definitely a culture in las vegas where to wake up and to start your day with a tall can of coors light uh is you know probably not that crazy her car won't start so she calls her friend for a ride find out that her friend is natalie and we find out eventually we find out that this is a few days before the events that we had just seen right and this also shows the type of format that we're going to be seeing throughout these episodes where we will see the crime take place without Charlie involved. We will see whatever the people of the story of the episode as those events happen. And then we kind of go back in time and show you how Charlie fits into this story, which is kind of fun. Right. Because it's it's just the first chunk, the first act of every one of these episodes. She is nowhere to be found. And then that first reveal in the second act is to see how she fits in and then to see how she uncovers the truth. Right. Which is it's a fun kind of uh, format for the show. So on the ride, she's bringing up Charlie's on her phone. She's bringing up uh, this child porn ring that's run by the Russians on the dark web, you know. And I assume that is what was found on the laptop. 
Obviously, if that's kind of the topic being brought up, if it is a picture that if it was something on his laptop that is worthy of calling the FBI, if something that would freak you out and that you could like some kind of picture, something that you could take a picture of to prove a person had on their laptop for a split moment that would be at a level to where you would think to call the FBI that is a major thing. I can't think of many other things that you could have on a laptop that would kind of inspire that kind of uh, kind of stress in a person. But And with her bringing up that topic, I think kind of plants the idea in the audience that that's probably what it was on the laptop. Uh, and Natalie's like, why are you listening to that stuff? It makes, just makes you angry and it's stuff that you have no control over, right? You should just be listening to music, which I kind of agree with that to an extent. Uh, definitely. It feels like it's definitely something that is more on the conspiracy theory side. Not that child pornography doesn't exist, but to boil it down, usually the things with conspiracy theories that I find makes them not believable is how simplistic their theories are that i mean in some ways or overly complex that like only the russians are dealing in this illegal activity on the dark web versus it is a thing that happens everywhere in the world and maybe also russians are doing it on the dark web right it's but probably not all of it is from them. And then conspiracy theories that would require a lot of people to keep quiet. It would require government organizations to have a level of, of efficiency that has never existed anywhere else with government organizations. Like there's a lot of things that I would call bullshit on, right? But our leader, our fearless leader who generally can spot the bullshit I guess when it comes through on Twitter, that is uh, something that she's not necessarily uh, doesn't doesn't her her superpower doesn't necessarily uh, get used as much. But anyway, she's a social media warrior, right? The the level of control she has over the situation, uh, despite it making her angry, despite not having any control. But on social media, you know, you can leave a comment, you can retweet, you can do minor things that a lot of people think is effective in a lot of ways. And uh, Charlie is no different, let's just say. Uh, but uh, she, when they get to work, asking if, if Natalie's okay, right? She's wearing these giant sunglasses, kind of, you know, in a mood, uh, asking her if she's okay. And she calls bullshit on that. Right. And she's like, bullshit's, you know, I say I see bullshit. I say bullshit. Right. It's a thing I have. You know that. Right. Which we find out that what that is, is not just calling bullshit, that she is 100 percent accurate on reading bullshit in people. And she doesn't want to talk, talk about it. She says she's fine again. And again, Charlie's like bullshit. Uh, and we find out as they're trying to go through the metal detector, the glass is made of metal. So she, Natalie has to take the glasses off. We find out she's got a black eye, her husband, abusive, an asshole, Charlie, not happy about that. 
she's she's angry and angry that her friend is trying to play it off as not a big deal which is a bummer when that happens in reality definitely and in the locker room natalie is talking to another one of her co-workers telling her that she confronted him because she saw a dick pic that he took and the dick pic came up on the apple tv and the screensaver was connected to their cloud photos so he had these dick pics that were sh showing up on the TV. So she knew that he was taking dick pics. And obviously she knew they weren't for her. So he's sending them to somebody. And she confronted him. And he, he punched her, gave her a black eye. And Charlie asks, like, you definitely kicked him out, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're done. And she calls bullshit again, right? So kind of a sad situation. Kind of a situation that happens way too often. But uh, we, we're seeing in that moment also that Charlie's ability to call bullshit. And we get some clarification on her actual ability later. Uh, but then we see Charlie working. She's a cocktail waitress at the casino floor, right? She looks like she loves her job, you know, hanging out with people, chumming it up with the people that are there gambling. She gets to smoke while she's working. She gets to drink while she's working. And on her break... Right out back smoking a cigarette, uh, one of the supervisor manager comes out to see her and tells her that the boss wants to see her. Frost, they look up to the, the name of the, the hotel casino, and it's Frost Casino, right? So and she thinks she's getting fired. She texts Natalie that she's probably going to be late and that she'll just Uber home, obviously, because Natalie gave her a ride. Uh, and then we see that, uh, Natalie gives her a text that she's already, she already went home. Um, when she gets into junior's office, uh, he offers her a drink. She turns it down initially, right? Find out that he became the manager of the hotel three months ago. Right. And we find out that his dad, Junior's dad, Senior, knows about her quote-unquote whole thing. And kind of, she's like, okay, what do you know? So he goes into the story of Charlie Kale before she started working at the casino, right? Once upon a time, right? Charlie going across the United States, she's playing this poker game in central Colorado and Denver, just an average game with milk toast players, right? And after three hours at this this you know private poker club, she mops the floor with everybody, right? And this is not a singular event. This is one of many times this was happening, right? Same woman, never any big games or corporate casinos, always the same results, right? As she's going across America, right? New, new kind of story from a new place new city new state right she never loses gamblers they talk right news spreads about her people everybody knows about her right and she's playing straight she's not cheating in any way right obviously they're frustrated obviously they're thinking maybe she's cheating right nobody wins all the time but as far as they can tell she's never been caught cheating they don't know exactly how she does it and his dad, Senior, noticed her when she came into his casino, and he watched her. He studied her for like 10 hours, 10 hours a day, studying her playing, right? And he figured it out. He figured out her trick, but didn't believe it, right? 
And they don't necessarily mention her ability yet, right? She decides then she wants a drink. So she gets another tall can, this time of Heineken instead of Coors Light. A little bit higher end tall can. It's still a tall can of beer, but a little bit better than Coors Light. This, this episode made me want to drink beer. It's been a while since I've had beer. And uh, every, her cracking open a tall can in almost every scene definitely made me wish I had I had been drinking uh, some beers while watching this. Let's take a quick break from this episode to talk about, are you a fan of art, movies, and all things entertainment? Then you need to check out youtube.com slash inspireddisorder. Our page is jam-packed with all kinds of great content, including making of videos of the many faces, an ongoing art series of abstract ink paintings. But that's not all. We also feature daily episodes from The Ray Taylor Show, a podcast that brings you movie reviews, TV show reviews, episode recaps, opinion on news and entertainment and much more there's also a weekly diary and top five movie rankings of a variety of categories and if that wasn't enough we've also got how-to videos covering all kinds of topics so why wait head on over to youtube.com slash disorder and start exploring the amazing content we have to offer and now back to the show his dad ended up spreading a lie about her that she was cheating uh and of course gamblers talk so they spread it basically making her blackballed from getting any games uh so he ended up her dad and his dad ended up giving her a job at at the casino right which she was happy you know she's glad he didn't break her fingers when he took her into the the special room where they generally break some fingers uh you know but she realized that he probably liked her called her kid right uh and she finds out that he probably gave her a job to keep her in a cage right he knew her ability but he didn't want he wanted it to keep to himself in a lot of ways right and we find out that she didn't have like some master plan she was just a dumbass she figured out she had this ability and she would travel around and make money with this ability right she never expected it to last right she likes her life now she likes her job right she's bummed she's getting fired she still thinks she's getting fired uh she's still a dumbass in her own words uh but then he starts pulling cards off a deck and uh saying telling her that what the card is and she calls bullshit a couple times right I was at first going to take a tally of the amount of times she says bullshit because it is her catchphrase. It is also very much what the overall premise is of her. That is her special power to call bullshit, right? But Junior wants to use her ability to get rich, right? And she says, oh, I've been rich, right? It's easier than being broke, but harder than just being all right. Right. And he's like, well, you've never actually been rich. You may have had money, but it's not the same thing. Right. And in that moment, he gets a call uh, about somebody drunk shooting off his mouth in the on the casino floor. And Cliff is going to handle it. Head of security. And before she finds out, she wants to know the details of what Junior has in store for her. Uh, Before she finds out those details, she wants to know who's the person drunk uh on the 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 floor right 
cut to find out it's Natalie's husband uh, who gets tackled. He's like looking for her, obviously. So it's the same day after he punched her in the face or the day after he's drunk, goes into her work, trying to find her again. Security ends up tackling him. Cliff takes a gun that he had strapped to his right ankle. Right. And Natalie's like allowed to go home. There's like, okay, you just go home. Charlie insists that she go to stay at her place. Right. And uh, because it's his house. Right. We find out later as they're kind of just chilling out in Charlie's trailer, which one of the very few, if not only times a the inside of a a trailer has been depicted accurately as the size that you would have in the interior of a trailer right most trailers in shows and movies will have a much larger interior uh where charlie's trailer we kind of get more of a a uh, accurate view of how tight that space is uh when you're living out of a trailer uh but we find out that natalie signed a prenup so it's like she can't you know if, even if she got a divorce, she's not going to keep the house. It's his house. He's going to keep the house. She doesn't have money. She can't afford to just leave him. Uh, Charlie tries to convince her to just move in with her. Right. Uh, but then next day, we uh, she's shown Kane. So the next day uh, at the casino, Charlie is shown Kane uh, through. They have like a, a private viewing room. That looks over the casino floor. Bird's nest I think they call it. Uh, so Junior is pointing out their mark. For what he wants to do. What he wants to use her for. right? And Kane is a whale. Has oil money. He is like the wealthy of the wealthy. Right. When his dad gave him the casino. Uh, to run. He told him three things. One was to keep the carpet clean. Two was to keep Kane happy. He never mentions three. She tries to ask him what uh, three is, and uh, he doesn't answer her. Uh, and uh, she actually he asks her if he's bluffing, right? He plays a hand. Kane plays a hand. He asks her if he's bluffing, and she says no. Turns out he wasn't bluffing. So they both kind of give a smile. It's like, oh, this is real. Like we can do this. She she can tell when he's bluffing or not. We could use this to rig a game, right? And we find out what the plan is. We find out that Kane is spending less and less money in the casino and instead is running private games through his suite, which is comped, right? The hotel, because he's a, he's a whale, they comp everything. They want him to gamble because they want him to come in and lose money to the casino. But he's spending less money playing casino games, losing less money to the casino, and Junior is noticing that. So he wants to take advantage of the situation and put a plant in these private games that Kane is is putting on right and she's not going to be in the game she's too there's too much of a possibility for somebody to recognize her so what they're going to do is use a camera system right and she asks similar to cliff if her dad is okay if his dad is okay with this right because she's worried she doesn't want to piss him off again, right? She's already pissed him off once. She doesn't want to do it again. But, of course, Junior, being Junior, not liking that question at all, uh, doesn't really. And he's good at kind of avoiding answering the questions because he knows 
that she is would be able to point out his lies. Right. He so he, he knows he can't lie to her. Uh, so in a lot of situations when he she she's asking him questions, he kind of diverts or at, or answers with the question himself. Uh, but this is where he's getting the call, the code red call. So while they're having this discussion outside the door is Cliff and Natalie after she had just taken this picture of his laptop. Right. Uh, so he lets Junior lets Charlie go down the private elevator from his office uh, which has a bar in the elevator, which is very nice, uh, which obviously she loves. And it goes down to, uh, so obviously Junior opens the door and Cliff and Natalie are outside. And the elevator goes down to that private viewing room where they were before, the bird's nest or whatever. And uh, she's looking over the casino floor, cracks open another beer. Uh, and uh, she noticed that while she was in this meeting, with junior that she missed a call from natalie uh and i gotta say that ryan johnson's scripts are so well constructed right the way this show is told where it's like filling in the other side of the story that we've already seen it's beautiful how everything kind of fits together like a a, a zipper right a, a zipper that just slides right up perfectly uh so she tries to call Natalie back, obviously, and Natalie's not answering her phone because goes straight to voicemail, obviously, because she is in a meeting with Junior at this moment. Uh, and uh, after Junior's meeting with Natalie and Cliff, goes back down to the uh, the crow's nest or whatever it is and joins, uh, joins Kale a little bit longer than the 20 minutes he had initially said, right? And she clarifies that she only knows when somebody's telling a lie. She doesn't necessarily know if somebody is telling the full truth necessarily. Like, it's very kind of a specific thing. And she said it's only really useful in poker. Anything outside of poker, it's pretty useless because people lie constantly. Like, birds chirping, she compares it to, right? And people lie about the most stupid, meaningless shit, which is very true. It is... It is kind of surprising how much people will just just like pathologically lie about the dumbest stuff constantly. And it's always like small. It's it, a lot of it. There's a lot of reasons why I'm sure. But anyway. Right. But for her, the trick isn't necessarily finding out that somebody lies. The trick with her, what really gets her interested is to find out why people are lying, which adds the other element to why these murder mysteries exist because not only does she notice people are lying but she has this nagging feeling of wanting to figure out especially with bigger things why they're lying about certain things right because that that definitely speaks more to the truth than anything else is to find out why so because clearly they're trying to hide something a lot of the times the bullshit ones are because of ego but for her it uncovers murders uh junior while she's talking with kale gets a call from cliff right finding out that he killed him right he gets that call so we're seeing how that story is matching up with this story 
or perspective, I should say. Uh, and she asks him if she pulls out of this thing, is, is he going to kill her? And of course he avoids answering the question, right? Instead, he says, uh, you're worried about my dad. Uh, and he's like, my dad gave me this job because he trusts me. And she calls bullshit, right? Okay, he gave me this because I'm a fuck up. And everybody knows I'm a fuck up, right? Right, so he's Junior is doing this to prove to his dad that he's not a fuck up. He wants to prove, he wants to get his dad's approval, right? And he's going to pay her 1.5 millions, 1.5 million uh, to do this thing for him, right? So it's a ton of money, assuming he follows through, uh, to help him scam this whale, right? Cut to next morning, Charlie reading the article about what happened to Natalie and her husband, the slaying. They were both murdered in their home, murder-suicide. Um, and the picture that's shown in the article makes them look like they're just a happy couple, even though it was a murder-suicide, right? Of course, they're going to show the happy couple sitting on the couch. And, of course, everybody at work is talking about it. Uh, and Charlie's already on the case, right? She's already like, this is weird. I got missed calls from her. Something scared her. Um, and, uh, she asks if another one of the coworkers saw anything or said anything to her, or if she said anything while she was leaving, because they, she saw her leave after eight o'clock. She called Charlie just before eight o'clock, Right. And uh, the cops come in to empty out her locker uh, but with big bolt cutters. But before they do, one of the co-workers knows her combination and is able to open up the locker for her. And in that moment, Kale gets a text from Junior saying, let's go to work. Uh, so cut to they are in a similar room to Kane's room a few floors down. And they're trying to figure out how to prep the Kane's room uh to spy on them you know where are they going to put the cameras because they're in a room similar roof height's different but all the layout is very similar the same and charlie is telling junior about you know this case right that she's doesn't think it's legit right and she's like if only i had picked up she called me before she left clearly she had something it was important uh, re relating to why she's dead and she's kind of beating herself up. And, of course, he tells her not to go down that path, blaming yourself. You can't blame yourself. But also, he doesn't want her to uncover that he is responsible. Uh, and she's asking, like, why would she go home early, right? She wasn't off till 9, so she left an hour early. She never clocked out. She already talked to her floor supervisor. So he found out from her from him that she never clocked out. Um and she knows something big happened, and she wants to find out. Junior says that uh, it was probably her husband who called, right? Uh, but Charlie knows that's bullshit because that's probably what they would assume. But she knows that's not true because she knew Nat. She knew that she keeps her phone off while she's at work, so it couldn't have been a call. Couldn't have been that issue from her husband. It had to be something while she was here, while she was working. And uh, 
to go back to them figuring out where they're going to put the cameras. He's thinking about putting the camera inside of a couch. She's like, no, 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 that's not going to be good. It's too clunky. People would notice you swapping out a couch, right? And also, it's it's you're going to need more angles. You need more sight lines. Uh, and she's like, you should put them in the, the lamps, right? There's easy to swap out. Get a bunch of different angles. It's got a, a, a better perspective on what's going on, right? She's She's like effortlessly improving this situation while her real focus is trying to solve what really happened to her friend right and in addition to that when she leaves she goes to the police right and she wants to see natalie's phone right just to see who she called and texted. like she must have tried to get a hold of other people when she couldn't get a hold of me maybe that will give us some answers right and she she struggles to think of the term evidence locker which is hilarious. Definitely something I sympathize with, something that I deal with on almost every episode of this show that I do. There will be a word that I am struggling to just spit out and can see it in my head, but to say it is miles away from possible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to see that happening where she can't think of, she's trying to describe the evidence locker anyway. Um, she, she wants to see the evidence. Obviously, she can't, right? But on his desk, she sees a picture of the crime scene, a picture of the gun that was used in his right hand, in uh, Jerry's right hand. And the cop's like, listen, I want to solve this thing too, right? So I'll go over everything again, right? And he gives her his card. He's like, if you find out anything, please let me know, right? So now back at her trailer, she gets a call from Junior. And he asks her about this meeting she had with the police, right? Because now they want to go and do a whole nother round of interviews. And he's not happy with that because of what they're trying to set up. It's like the last thing I need around this hotel are cops while we're trying to cheat this whale out of money, right? And she tells him about the pic that she saw about the gun being in his right hand and how he is a lefty because of where he had the holster. Wouldn't make any sense for him to have the holster on his right leg if he was also right-handed also wouldn't make any sense if he would use his non-dominant hand to commit sewer, su uh, murder suicide right and junior tells her listen i told the cops to not worry about it so they're not worried about it so she sees in that moment that oh junior's got control over the cops like they listen to him probably because of his dad but that's the kind of control she has so it's like she's you know, she she's getting shut down in a lot of ways from a, another angle now. Let's take a quick break from this episode because I want to talk about, are you looking to add some unique and expressive artwork to your home, office, or wardrobe? Look no further than the Many Faces series by Ray Taylor. That's me. These abstract paintings on paper explore the endless possibilities of the human face, capturing unique expressions of emotion, mood, tone, and energy in just a few minimal features. Now you can bring these stunning and thought-provoking pieces into your own space with high-quality prints and t-shirts. 
featuring designs from the Many Faces series. Or take home a one-of-a-kind original piece for your collection. Don't miss out on this opportunity to add some original and expressive artwork to your home, office, or wardrobe. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com to browse and purchase original artworks, prints, and t-shirts from the Many Faces series today. And now, back to the show! So her and her eBay neighbor, who clearly has the ability to get into places he shouldn't be, uh, is helping her pick the lock of Natalie and Jerry's home uh, so she can go in and look around to find evidence, to find clues, right? And she goes in, she finds a tablet, which is locked. She tries to use the picture that was used in the newspaper to see if that would use the uh, face ID thing. Of course, that doesn't work. Uh, she tries a couple codes. That doesn't work. So she holds on to the tablet. Cut to the next morning where she's laying in bed and still trying to do, clearly doing these codes all night. Her wrist is sore. She's out of beer. So she walks herself to the liquor store to buy more beer. Still doing this code. She's out of money. She needs to get cash. She puts the tablet on the ATM machine. And in that moment when she types in her ATM pin and checks her phone, she realizes that she uses the same code for her ATM pin and her phone. And maybe that's something that Natalie does, right? Maybe Natalie uses the same number for multiple combinations. So, of course, she calls that employee that knew Natalie's locker combination, right? 9248. Tries it on the tablet. It works. Great. Finds out messenger not set up. So it doesn't have a copy of the text that she sent, right? She kind of scrolls through the email, but there's, you know, it's all junk in there. Who who really has? <laughs> trying to find any important information in somebody's email account seems pretty ridiculous. And then she remembers, right, in the, the wallpaper, right? It's a picture of her and her husband with these clouds behind him. She looks at the clouds. She's like, oh, the clouds, the dick cloud. So she clicks on the cloud. And, of course, she finds the dick cloud. She finds all the dick pics, scrolls down to the most recent picture, opens it up, and she finds the picture of Kane's laptop. She brings the tablet to Junior. Cliff is also in the office. And she thinks that Kane found out and sent one of his bodyguards to kill her. Obviously, we know that not to be true, right? And Kane wants to take his money first. He's like, listen, we can do that after we take his money, right? Let's get him where it hurts first, and then we'll call the FBI. And Because this isn't going anywhere. After we do this, then we'll do that, right? And she gets another tall can of beer. She goes down, right, after this meeting, after she tells him she grabs a tablet, right, doesn't leave the tablet with him. Um, she goes back down to the bar, and uh, the bartender's like, you want your regular? Opens up the tall can for her, as is her morning beverage. She decides instead to drink coffee because she is on the case, right? And on the news at the bar, she sees a news report of Jerry when he came into the casino being drunk uh, and violent in the casino. Obviously, the news is bringing this up because it is showing pieces of his character that maybe... He is a violent person, and that is, you know, would add to the murder-suicide angle of the whole thing, right? 
And after she sees the news article, she jumps into the elevator where Cliff is going upstairs, right? Going up, and she's going a mile a minute because she's drinking coffee. She never drinks coffee. Usually she's drinking beer. So the complete opposite of that is coffee, and her mouth is moving a mile a minute. And Cliff asks, is she doing blow? And she's like, no, I had coffee. Anyway, she's asking him why he let Jerry go, right? The news said it was Natalie who asked him to go. But she knows that's not true. She was with Natalie, right? She didn't request that. And uh, we find out that Cliff just decided to give him a warning not to press charges, right? But he, he says that he never came back, right? It, he never came back. Uh, moving on to them testing out the camera. She's in Junior's office. Uh, and she comes down to where the cameras are. And she's bullshit, true, bullshit. So everything's on point. He tells her that he's going to give uh, the guy who's the, the going to be the plant. It's going to wear a clicker on his ankle. And he gives her the remote. And he's like, one click for true, two clicks for bullshit, right? Make it simple. Don't get crazy. Just be on point, right? And she asks him what the call was that they got during his first meeting. Because she knew he was lying when he asked if everything was okay, right? And he's like, okay, well, I was talking to Cliff, right? And she's like, well, what were you calling Cliff about? And, of course, they don't want to talk about it. So he asks her, what do you think we were talking about it, right? Clearly, knowing he can't answer because she will know he's lying, right? Obviously, can't tell him the truth that he found out that they killed Natalie and her husband, right? So she kind of like realizes that this is probably not the right tactic, kind of mumbles her way out. Uh, and he's like, as she's leaving, he's like, listen, Cliff calls me 50 times a day for 50 different things, right? And after she leaves, Cliff knows like they're in trouble, right? She's a human lie detector and she's asking questions. Like she knows something is up, right? She found the pick. She's on the trail right like this is not good for them and he's juniors like fuck you we're doing this right we'll deal with her after quote unquote deal with her after so now it's the day of the poker game the lamps are getting swapped out cliff swaps the, the cameras out kane is late right the players are all waiting for kane drinking at the bar thankfully kane is having a late dinner because also kale charlie kale is late right she is late she comes in doesn't say a word goes to the bar grabs a tall can of heineken and junior's like well thanks for coming in thankfully he took a long dinner are you let's get ready to do this thing and this is the moment that in every detective story where the detective lays it out this is charlie laying it out right no more bullshit this is what she knows right she knows that natalie saw something wrong and she did what she you know what she tells her to do she tried to do the right thing right and you killed her well you had cliff do it right and she's like say it's bullshit if it's true right say say it's bullshit bullshit say i'm wrong right clearly calling his bluff 
she took the picture. Natalie took the picture to turn him in, right? She tried to call me, right? She didn't tell her supervisor when she last left. So I'm thinking she came to you and Cliff that night. She noticed something on the TV. Charlie noticed something on the TV that she saw at the bar, right? And she plays the video for Jerry, right? Uh, she plays the video of Jerry, I should say. Walking out, right? Uh, with the metal detector. And she's like, you notice anything? There's no gun, right? Metal detector doesn't go off when they kick him out. And she, when she was talking to Cliff, she knows Cliff took it. She saw Cliff take it during that altercation. And she knows that Jerry never came back for it because he asked Cliff in the elevator the previous day, right? So the gun was here with Cliff. So Jerry couldn't have used it to kill her and himself, right? And it's not enough evidence to get the cops involved, right? Especially with his connections, right? So he takes her phone just in case she's recording this conversation as if she's trying to maybe record this conversation as evidence, trying to get a confession, right? And he lays out a story where she was drinking a lot that week, missing her shifts, right? He talked to her supervisor and told them she's just going through a tough time. Her friend died, okay? So I know she's drinking a lot. I know she's missing the shifts. Obviously, she's doing that because she's setting up to do this thing to screw over the whale, right? Clearly, Junior laying out the story that makes sense that she would commit suicide, right? And after he fired her for missing work, she was so distraught, she just jumped off the balcony, right? So clearly going all in, right? Listen, you're going to tell this story about me? Well, listen to the story I got about you, right? And that she tells him that she recorded the conversation that they had from earlier, the day before, when they're going over the details of the scam against Kane, right? When they're in the thing, one click for true, two clicks for false, right? That was the conversation that she recorded. And he's like, what's that going to do? There's no law against cheating in a private poker game. And she's like, I'm not a cop. Why do you think I'm trying to convict you? That's not what I'm trying to do, right? He's not impressed right? His cops, and plus his cops listen to him. They're his cops, right? Or his dad's cops, right? And she's like, I, I recorded that so I could, as somebody once said, to get you where it hurts, right? The wallet, right? Gamblers talk. So what she did was tell Kane, sent that recording to Kane to let him know and to spread the word to the other gamblers, to the other whales that go to his casino, to the other mid-level gamblers, and to probably some of these small-time gamblers that the people at Frost Casino don't play fair, that they, tr they, tr they actively try to cheat you out of their money, right? So in essence, she blackballed his casino and once again junior is a failure right 
he is the fuck up once again, right? Cliff laughing, right? Obviously laughing because he knew this was a bad idea, wanting to call his dad to let him in on what they're trying to do. Laughing at this thing, right? And then instantly Cliff gets a call from his dad, right? Caller ID, dad's calling, right? And in that moment, Junior just walks calmly, steady pace, right out the window, walked one, two steps up the chair that was against the balcony wall and just jumps off the balcony, just realizing in that moment that he had been got, that there's no coming back from that. His dad, not happy. He ruined what his dad built. He absolutely not only ruined the casino that his dad built, but ruined the family name forever. They are he destroyed the family junior epic fuck up on next level. Right. Amazing. And he just jumps off the balcony, right? Doing the thing that he was going to do to Charlie. And in that moment, Charlie realizes that she needs to get the fuck out. Right. Because Cliff is still there. Cliff is loyal to Senior. And she runs out. Cliff, bad shot, as Charlie is running through a hallway right in front of him. Not really moving much. Not trying to matrix siege dodge these bullets. But he is missing. Does wing her at the last moment. She gets shot in the side as she's about to turn the corner. So she doesn't get out unscathed completely, but he is not a very good shot, which actually kind of probably accurate. Most people are probably not very good shots in the moment uh, as somebody is running away uh, in a high stress moment, right? He ends up calling security. Obviously he's the head of security. He's like, we need to lock this building down. She ends up going to the stairwell, ends up going into the fourth off in the fourth floor where one of the rooms is being cleaned and she breaks through the window, you know, pops the, the window out. And she's like to the main, she's like, I see ya. Have a nice life. I'm out of here. And she just barely gets away driving away as the cops are going past her to, to the uh, casino. Right. She gets herself to a diner and she pulls out the cop's business card. She writes an email. She sends in an email the picture that Natalie took, right? The truth. This is the evidence. I hope you do the right thing. And she also adds the email addresses in addition to the cop, uh, FBI at FBI.gov, CIA at CIA.gov. And in the last moment, she has the thought, Oprah at Oprah.com. Right. Whether any of those are actual email addresses, you know, she wants this evidence to go to more people than also kind of hedging her bets. Right. Obviously, the cops may or may not do anything. And uh, it's it's a crazy situation. But after she sends the email, she gets a call. Same number as the call Junior got. So it is his dad calling her who she knows. She answers the phone call and it is senior. And he tells her that he's going to track her down and he's going to kill her. And in that moment, she realizes she needs to get on the run. And that is how this show starts. She solves the murder of her friend. And that is why she is on the run. She smashes her phone, gets in her car and takes off. And 
watching this episode, it was one a lot of fun that it's a self-contained thing, right? I thought it was amazing as everything was getting set up in the show. It's like, oh, this is great. Like, I I was looking forward to the show when I thought the whole season was going to be about uncovering this thing, about what all of these people are going to be doing throughout this season and to have it come to a conclusion at the end so felt so good to have a just a self-contained fun mystery with a detective person that is unlike any other detective right she is just somebody who is able to identify when people are being where people are lying right she's able to accurately a hundred percent of the time call bullshit but it's not her ability to call bullshit that really fuels her. It is r- trying to find out why somebody would lie about certain things. Right? So not this episode does a great job setting up just so much of what we're going to expect to see from the show. Right? Obviously, interesting characters, a lot of fun guest stars. Uh, a bunch of unique situations, right? With our very unlikely detective, we get to s- we see her motivation to run. We know throughout this episode there is going to be that looming threat of Cliff, who is loyal to Senior. We have the well, there's probably going to be an episode in the finale, I would imagine, which hasn't come out yet. There's going to be an episode where Charlie is confronted by or having to deal with senior there's going to be an episode where she gets caught unless it's something that they're holding on to stretch out for more seasons which i hope there's more seasons to come right maybe she gets away and she gets on the run again there's a lot of things they can do i love this episode from ryan johnson Right. One of the best episodes so far will be interesting to see as new writers and directors come through to tell different stories. It'll be interesting to see the quality fluctuation. Uh, But overall, it's great. I love our lead, Natasha Leone. Amazing. I love her in everything. And she's great as this character. And it's it's a lot of fun. Right. And we also get the overall way they're going to be structuring the show. Right. Spending the first act of each episode showing you the crime without any presence of Charlie Kale. And then in the second act, we see how Charlie Kale has been in the periphery of that entire story the whole time. We just never see her, right? We see how she is part of this story and we see how she tries to uncover these lies that she starts noticing people tell, right? And, you know, not only can she spot the lie but you know it's it's the question of why they lie not that they do it because everybody does it but to see why some people are lying about certain things and that that drive to uncover the reason is what uncovers the truth which i appreciate that as well um and somebody that wants to do the right thing going out of her way she can't help but do this like it nags at her it just to just like she needs to square this in her head to understand it and uh it's great the next episode season one episode two is titled the night shift uh in that episode in the next episode which will come out next tuesday charlie 
is wounded. Obviously, she got shot by Cliff as she was trying to escape uh, and on the run, as we saw. Uh, but she's forced to take a pit stop in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, uh, where she tries to clear the name of a trucker who is framed for murder. Uh, so it's going to be a fun episode, The Night Shift, next week. Um, and that's a wrap for this week's episode of Poker Face Recap Podcast. Tune in next Tuesday for another recap of the latest episode. And join the conversation by leaving a comment and a rating on your favorite podcast platform, as well as YouTube if you are watching these episodes. Until next time, keep your poker face on and see you next week. No bullshit. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.